This episode of Keeping It Real is brought to you by GoGo's Bootcamp. Are you a real estate agent looking for the very best media training program on the planet? GoGo Bethke is considered the top Instagram realtor in the country, and her step-by-step training program will take your social media game to the next level. Keeping It Real listeners receive a special discount, so please visit gogopodcast.com. That's G-O-G-O podcast.com for your special discount. And now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Keeping It Real, the largest podcast made by real estate agents and for real estate agents. My name is DJ Paris. I am your guide and host through the show. And as always, we start each episode by saying thank you to everyone who is listening and who also watches our videos on YouTube and on our Facebook page. We really appreciate your your listenership and viewership. We've been doing this for many years. We're going to keep doing it. And it is because of you that we keep going. So the best way that you can help us continue to thrive and grow is to tell a friend. Think of one other real estate agent that could benefit from listening to episodes like these and pass along our show. You can always send them right over to our website, keepingitrealpod.com. We have links to all the podcast directories and apps, and if the person isn't a podcast person, they can actually just listen to every episode right there on our website. And last, the other thing too is please follow us on Facebook. Every day we post articles on there that we find online that are written specifically to help real estate agents grow their business. So you can find us at Facebook, facebook.com forward slash keeping it real pod. And now on to our interview with Lisa Sanders. All right, today on the show, we have Lisa Sanders from the Lisa Sanders Group with At Properties in Chicago. Uh, Let me tell you about Lisa. Lisa has been a passionate and successful real estate agent for over a decade, averaging at least 75 homes sold per year and has been recognized as a consistent top performer in the Chicagoland area. This year alone, Lisa has already sold over 100 homes. This is 2020, has already sold 100 homes. Every year, Lisa is number one in volume and several volume in units throughout the Northwest side of Chicago. She has been named a top producer by the Chicago Association of Realtors every year for the last 13 years and has also been distinguished as the number one realtor uh, for homes sold in the neighborhoods of Norwood Park and Jefferson Park in Chicago. Lisa's also been recognized by Cranes Magazine as one of the best brokers in Chicago. She exceeds at providing her clients with both expertise and superb customer service, which she has, which has earned her the five-star professional award for exceptional client satisfaction for the past five years. Lisa strives to work efficiently and advocate for her clients' best interests every step of the way, treating them with honesty, empathy, and appreciation. She knows how to develop the right combination of price and presentation that attracts great offers for a listing, and her 99.6% list-to-sale average is a testament to her talents. Lisa is an active member of her community, participating in numerous charities, 
She supports several types of local school events and is a committed sponsor to the New Hope Food Pantry, helping to feed those in need on the northwest side of Chicago. You can find her at lisasandersold.com. Again, lisasandersold.com. Lisa, welcome to Keeping It Real. We appreciate you being on the show. Thanks for having me. Wow, what an intro. Well, you have done a lot of really amazing things. You you have a, a wonderful uh, amount of accolades that you've accomplished and, and accumulated uh, in your 17 years as a real estate agent. Um, but what I would always, and, and what our audience always loves to know, and, and for everyone who's newer to the business wants to know, okay, selling 100 homes a year in 2020 is incredible, but how did you get started? Um, would love to know about why you got into real estate and how you got into real estate. So I was selling um, telephone and telephone service on the North Shore. And um, my attorney, actually, I had sold him and saved him like a ton of money. And he just kept hounding me like, Lisa, you have to come work for me. You have to come. I'm starting a real estate company, you know, come. But I had little kids and I had had like a bad experience with a broker who you could just tell all she cared about was like money, you know? Sure. So um, I was like, there's a million real estate brokers. I do not want to be a real estate broker. But he just was tenacious. I mean, he would not give up. And I mean, this went on for like, probably like four years. Finally, I was like coaching. um, So I was coaching um, like for boys and girls high school. And I was just doing that to like get out of the house, you know, be active because I'm super social. Um, And then I decided, yeah, I need to make money (laughs) because I have four little kids. Sure. And, um, you know, I don't, I I just like being out of the house anyway. So, um, you know, I would kind of go stir crazy at home, you know. So um, just started selling his developments. And then that soon kind of got boring. Um, And so I started selling other people's homes. And then I'm like, okay, I need to go bigger. So then... um, you know, I went to uh, Coldwell Banker sure. and um, just started and just listened. This is really how I started is that I would just like be very quiet and listen to the other brokers talk and like kind of figure it out. And some of the, we had some of the older ones would get so mad at me. <laughs> like they would, they would be like, are you listening? <laughs> and I'd be like, I don't know what you're talking about. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And so some of us younger ones, I mean, it was just absorbing. And then every weekend I would do open houses. And I think because I'm like very friendly, I would, I just started picking up, you know, clients. So buyers mostly. So then I started working with buyers and then that turned into sellers and then um, just started figuring out like how to market, like how to take, you know, how to market a neighborhood. Um, what, you know, what were the skills that I needed to do and just, you know, trying, and you know what else I did? I would go and I would look anywhere I traveled. I would like research all the brokers in the area. And then I would look at like their marketing stuff. So I would call, you know, like friends or family. And I'd be like, anything you get in the mail, can you save it from your brokers, you know, in the air, like all across the country. And then they would send me their stuff. And I'm just, I'm really good at marketing. So like, I'm very creative. And I think that's, that's helped me a lot too. Although there's no way to like, keep your ideas to yourself. 
Sure. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess, you know, people copy and use a form of flattery, but um, sometimes it's frustrating when you work so hard to like create something and then somebody copies it. But yeah. What are you going to do? But that's how I got started. Yeah. Wow. And then you, you now have a, a team, uh, the Lisa Sanders group. And at what, when did you decide it was time to that, you know, that it was time to build a team? I think that was like four years ago, I decided, um, you know, I'd been working alone for a long time, but I really did need some help. And I also just wanted to bring my knowledge to other people and help them. Um, and I think everyone that I've brought has, you know, done really well. Um, actually, my newest team member is Crystal McCarthy, and she did five million in her first year. Wow! And I knew she was going to do awesome. Yeah, so that's great. And then, um, yeah, I just love bringing like my knowledge and and being there to help and seeing them grow. I mean, I love that. It yeah. makes me super happy. You mentioned at the very beginning, um, absorbing information from all of the more senior brokers over at Coldwell Banker. And you also talked about open houses. And I know this gets brought up a lot. And we've done, I think, about 220 episodes. And I would estimate 219 of the 220 people we've interviewed have said open houses were really, really important And when they got started. Um, quick question when you didn't have your own listings, were you asking other brokers in the office, could I do open houses for your listings or how did you go about I doing totally that? was. I mean, I would like, I would go to whoever, I'd be like, I would love to do an open house. I, I did open houses every weekend. I, I tried to get my um, team members to understand the value of that. Um, some of them have picked up um, clients from it, but I honestly think when you're just starting, you should be doing, and I know it can get boring, but I think you should be doing um, open houses every weekend for sure. Yeah. And even if you don't meet a buyer during the open house, which you can't really control all that well, at least you're learning about real estate and, and you're maybe you're, you're practicing, you're yes. practicing on people and how to, you know, converse with them. It's just great practice. It's a great, it's a great suggestion. And um, it's one of those things that every time we do an episode, I always think, oh, I could probably, I don't have to talk about open houses, but I like to, because I just think it's really that important, unless you're lucky enough to just get your license and have a bunch of friends that are ready to buy and sell homes, which most people don't have when they get started. And even for agents who right now might be in between uh, transactions. I mean, I, I think you know, it's, it's funny. I was curious to get your opinion on this right now. You know, it's, it's November 2nd, 2020, uh, here in Chicago, we're at all time interest rate lows or just about recorded lows. Um, so we have buyers that have a lot more purchasing power than they've ever had, not a ton of inventory, um, but lots of buyers out there. And, you know, I think, gosh, if I, if I had a listing, I would be doing as many open houses as I could, uh, just you know, until the home gets sold, just because there's so I know, I know I'm buying a place simply because I can afford more than I could before because of interest yeah. rates. So, so well, open houses, I think, like, let's say you get a new listing, you do have to be careful, you don't want to do too many, because you don't want to yeah. seem desperate. Yeah, so definitely like the first weekend, and then maybe like, three weeks from that weekend. Um, but they work. And sometimes I have to kick myself in the butt and be like, just do, you know, do an open. And then, I mean, what will happen is somebody will walk in and be like, I was going to call you anyway. So, you know, I want you to come look at my house. Yeah. So then I'm like, see, you should have done it. 
Let's wow. um let's talk about so Lisa for all of our listeners Lisa is very very passionate about um working w- with respect to working with sellers uh, about she has very specific uh, you know views on aesthetics and and what buyers are interested in whether they walk through an open house or just a traditional um a listing or, or just a traditional you know uh, showing um what what are your thoughts what's going on right now what do buyers want and and what do they need uh, from from a listing. So buyers are tough right now. The buyer pool is tough. I mean, they're watching HGTV. They're watching, you know, Chip and Joanna Gaines. I mean, you name it, they're watching it and they expect turnkey. So I think that I literally have turned into a GC. I mean, I'm running three (laughs) different construction groups, like trying to get all my houses ready. And then I try to explain to my sellers, like I have one right now on the fence who's already been listed And, um, she needs to update her kitchen and the husband and wife do. And she's like, Lisa, I just don't want to spend that money. And I'm always like, okay, but you have to spend money to make money. You're going to make three times as much if you just do your kitchen. And, um, sometimes it's like pulling teeth, but then other, I mean, more, I, I would say more people are getting it where, you know, they're, they're listening. I mean, if you listen to me, it will work. You know what I mean? I never really fail at that. If you do the things that I tell you to do. Um, and right now I have another one in Edison park that I'm getting, that was on the market earlier um, that I'm having, you know, three different crews come in to do different things. Like we're updating the kitchen. I actually went and bought the cabinet for the bar in the basement. I mean, I'm like, this is nuts, but um, <laughs> you got to do what you got to do. You know, I've got the plumber set up. I've got everybody. And I have a trim carpenter who I sold his two flat for like 25,000 over list. So he's helping me for free to wow. say, thank you. Yeah. So wow. it's, it's, and then uh, I have, I have two other guys that I work with all the time and it's, it's hard, but I tell them like, Oh man, please give me priority. And then I just kind of try to keep, you know, things in the pipeline for them, you know, Sure. but contractors are so busy right now. So I bet. I'm lucky I have very loyal contractors. So I have two thoughts about what what you just said for our listeners. So this is really funny because I am exactly the kind of buyer that you are talking about. So Lisa (laughs) and I were actually talking about this before because the company she works for actually represents a development where I'm buying a unit. And the whole reason, I mean, it's not the entire reason I'm buying in this particular thing, but I love the fact that they get, uh, in this case, I get to pick out what I want, but more importantly, I don't have to worry about fixing anything. I don't have to worry about updating anything. Everything is- Well, you don't know how to fix anything. (laughs) Well, that's true. And that's the other thing. I don't know how to fix anything. And that's what I try to explain to my sellers is like, guys, they're coming from condos or apartments or their parents' houses. They don't yeah. know how to do these things. So right. nor do they want to. Have, to and they, nor do and they, they don't want to. Want you're to. working. You're working all yeah. the time. Yeah. That's what it is. So, and then my other thought was, okay, so, so you say that you explain this to a seller that has an outdated kitchen. You said, look, I understand nobody wants to drop, uh, you know, $10,000 or more on a, on a kitchen right now. We, we understand that that's a painful thing, Mr. and Mrs. Seller. What if, but, but here's what we think the return might, might look like. Um, here is what we know that buyers are actually looking for today in the Instagram world where even everybody's dinner looks perfect. Right. So, um, so well, the question is when you have a seller who's like, I'm not going to do that um, or, or a difficult, you know, it's hard to get them to loosen those, those pocket uh, strings or, or those purse strings to, 
you know, allow for those types of, of, of contracting work. What, what do you, what do you do there? Do you, do you, you, do you, will you walk away from the listing? Will you try to convince um, them? Will you take it? What, what I try to, I, I usually try to convince them. I really do. Um, I, so I tell them a story. So I had a listing here just, um, recently, uh, on Nickerson in old Norwood. And, um, my seller literally refers me to everybody, but he told me, I'm not doing anything. I don't care, Lisa, I'm not doing it. And sure. he's really tough. And I was like, come on, please listen to me, do it. So I had gotten him like three offers, like when he didn't update it and I couldn't get it over 750. Mm-hmm. So he was asking like 775 or 785. I don't totally remember. But finally, his wife talked him into doing what I had asked them to do from the beginning. And um, so they did it. I picked out all the lighting, um, helped them with all the paint colors and the carpet, all that stuff. And I literally got the same buyer from before came back. But not only did I get that buyer, I had like five offers. And I had it at $775. And I ended up selling it for $788. And my sellers kept asking the buyers, why did you come back? Why did you come back? They just like could not grasp what I was telling them was, you know, correct. And then the buyers are like, oh, because of the updates that you finally did that Lisa had suggested. Yeah. Um, so it confirmed. So I'll tell like that story. And then if they really don't want to, I, I just say, okay, we really have to price it right. Cause we don't want to struggle, 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 yeah. you know, and do a bunch of price changes. And that's frustrating for a seller, you know, and then I just talk about that frustration. And then sometimes I can get them to do it, you know, after, you know, they've gone over everything in their head. Most of the times I can, but if they just don't want to, then I just really focus on pricing it correctly. You don't have to underprice it. Just don't overprice it. Yeah. 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 And, and what are you seeing as far as, so buyers are tough because they're expecting a perfect place when they walk in. Of course, yes. no place is perfect. <laughs> so, um, their buyers are, are tricky. Um, but, um, but there's a lot of them, thankfully these days. Um, so, and you, gosh, you're closing a home every three days. So that is incredible, uh, here, uh, in 2020 when a good chunk of the year, you weren't really able to work that much. So this is, I mean, that hundred homes sold this year already is beyond incredible, um, for, for obviously the extenuating circumstances. Um, I was working like crazy during COVID. I bet. So, well, the, uh, yeah. This is a good question. Cause and, and I and I hope that we don't go back into a lockdown situation. Of course, nobody wants that, um, but it might be something that happens us here in Chicago for our listeners. Um, all the restaurants, uh, dine-in options have have uh, temporarily ceased, um, which is very very sad for all, all of these it restaurants. Is sad. But hopefully, um, hopefully we can the ban hopefully can be lifted at some point and save these restaurants. But but anyway, a lot of you know we might be going back into a shutdown. We hope it doesn't. So I'm curious if that were to happen, what suggestions do you have um, for our listeners? Like, what did you do when when you weren't really able to go do showings earlier this year during lockdown? Um, you know, you said you were working all the time. What what were some of the things you were doing to stay busy? Well, so like for my listings, if I had showings, I. I had like booties there, you know, sanitizer. Um, I had, uh, I would go turn on all the lights for them and then they didn't have to touch the lights. So just make it like as safe as I possibly could. Um, And then I wouldn't be there. And then when it was done, I would just ask them to text me and then I would go over and turn off all the lights and uh, Lysol. 
and then um, leave. And then for my buyers, I never felt uncomfortable. So I was out with them. um, Yeah, the entire time. Um, And some of them are a little nervous. um, But again, I was just like, you know, I always had gloves for them and booties for them. So nobody, I just, I, the one thing I can't stand is when a listing agent wants me to take off my shoes in someone else's home. I don't know why it just creeps. It like grosses me out. Yeah. Yeah. So I always, (laughs) I always try to have booties because I don't want my bare feet on somebody else's floor. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) What, what were you doing when, when the activity was as far as, you know, even taking people out or, or letting them go out, you know, when we were really in lockdown where we really couldn't move much, um, you know, what were you doing to stay in touch with your sphere of influence or your contact list? You know, oh to- yeah, that's a good question. Um, so I had I have a good client from the Nickerson property that I was talking about. He got me in contact with one of his friends who had a bunch of N95 masks. So I made little paper bags for everybody, and I put two of them in there with a gift card to Starbucks. Oh, and then dropped it off at everybody's houses, you know, and just said, I'm thinking of you. I hope you're staying safe. You know, here's a gift card to go through the drive through at Starbucks, because if you remember, the lines were backed up like crazy because that was like one of the only things you could really go do. Yeah. It's essential business, I guess. Um, yes. But yeah, but that but that's a really good idea. I mean, I know, especially at the beginning of the lockdown, those N95 masks were like, you just never saw them anywhere. They were and like gold. They were gold. And, and if you were able to acquire them, which I never was, but the idea that somebody would drop one off at, at my home, um, just simply because I'm in your contact list or sphere of influence, that's a remarkably, um, you know, kind and, and, and compassionate thing to do. And also really useful. Like that's something that, you know, plus a little uh, Starbucks gift card is also nice as well. Um, so I, I think that's a really good reminder for, for everyone. If we do go back into a situation where, where our, our ability to move around is, is, is restricted, um, stay in touch with your, with your contacts, you know, get, send them a little care package and it doesn't have to cost much. In your case, it doesn't, doesn't sound like it was a super expensive uh, thing to do, but it was certainly oh, a, it was a very thoughtful. Oh, oh, I see. Oh, because the N95 masks. Yeah. 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 They were, they were, I mean, he gave me a good deal, but they were expensive and that's fine. I just wanted people to feel safe. Yeah. The other thing I did is I have a lot of policemen clients, a sure. lot of um, CPD. So I just started a, I'm super excited about it. I just got my first donation and it's called care for cops. And it's all about like mental health. Um, just doing something kind for them, for their mental health. Um, so I want to run out of venue for them to come with all their families after COVID. And then for all my policemen, my women who are policemen, um, and I have some amazing, um, women like that are police. They're like super, I don't know. Can I say badass? Um, (laughs) I got them all like a bracelet um, that just said, you know, like, I'm thinking of you because they're stressed out. They're working a lot. They have like no days off. They're not seeing their kids, you know, um, well, that work is tough. And and also just the environment right now to be a police officer is everybody hates you and they shouldn't, but they do. And, and it's, it's tough. My, my girlfriend's father is, is a detective, um, in Rosemont. And, um, we joke about it. He's like, 
man, people really hate me these days. And so it is, you know, we, we sort of joke, we're, we're sort of just bringing some levity to it, but it's a very serious thing is, is there's a tremendous amount of stress on, on law enforcement officials. There's right too now. much. Yeah. Way too I, much. I, 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 yeah, I, um, I, I almost feel it's very unfair, you know, like yeah. not all of that should be their responsibility, but, um, it's, it's, I hear about it. It's a lot of stress. Um, yeah. Firemen, my husband's a fireman. Um, yeah. So not as much, but they're, they're, they're having a lot of stress too. Um, just with no days off, you know, so we got to support our first responders a little bit better. Yeah. And that's another thing too, for everyone listening that whatever you're passionate about, uh, as a way to give back to your community, um, you know, wherever it is that you practice, you know, find something, uh, for me, there's an organization I support called Misericordia here in, in, in Chicago. The um, best. Not, yeah, the best. Yes. The uh, best. Very, the best. So very, very lucky to- uh, I I'm sent very out lucky. coffee from them. Oh, yes. They yes. have the coffee. It's they so make coffee right people, there on campus. Yes, yeah. and people loved it. They loved it. Yeah. It's a, for everyone listening, it's a home for developmentally disabled men and women. Um, it's, it's a very magical, special place that thankfully Chicago has. Um, but in every community, there are uh, people in need um, and, you know, or, or just organizations that you want to support that do good. And realtors really do themselves a huge favor, but also the community a huge favor by getting involved. And and people will start to see that, that you're participating in, in these. And that's not the reason to do it so that you can get clients because of course that that isn't probably the right intention. Um, but it's nice, it's a nice side effect of helping uh, your community is that a lot of times, I mean, you don't even have to necessarily do it in a super public way, but just so that you're part of an organization that you're passionate about as, as Lisa is in, with a number of assist, uh, organizations that you're with. Um, and you get really excited when you talk about these things. And I'm sure that your clients and, and your sphere of influence notice some of these things you're doing. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope so, but you know, I really don't do it. I mean, I think I have good intentions. Like also I always give to the baseball and softball clubs in my area. Cause I love sure. kids, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I always tell my clients, I'm like, you have to understand your kids are like the best clients I'm going to have. Cause when I get older, they're going to remember Mrs. Sanders. Sure. <laughs> I'm going to have them as clients. So yeah. um, I'm like, I always joke with uh, my clients, how important their kids are. So they're lifers, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I guess the point is like, get involved and, you know, especially what would you, what would you, so if you had a team member right now, um, mm-hmm. so we've already talked about, if you had a team member that, that wasn't busy and, and came to you and said, I don't know what to do right now. I don't have any clients. I have no listings. Um, I'm not sure what my next moves is. I'm sure you would say, well, let's set you up with some open houses. Um, outside, aside from that, do you have any suggestions about people, any people that might be listening to the show um, that are just like, gosh, I, I should be yeah. busy. I feel like I'm not busy. What should I be doing? Definitely volunteer. That's yeah. huge. Also get involved in your chambers. And if you're passionate about something, it will all come together. Yeah. So volunteer for something that you're super passionate about and it will, it will lead to more. Yeah, absolutely. And Lisa, this is a totally behind the scenes question. And, and I'm going to explain why I'm asked, saying this uh, to our audience, but is, is the managing broker at your firm is, is her name Grace? Is that your, at the, at properties you're at? Oh, um, Grace Goro is yes, one. Yes, Grace, uh, Grace Goro. Yeah, she's higher yeah. up. 
she's higher. Not, okay. She's higher. She's more like, um, she's in charge of training, running, I think running or, the show or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Grace is a total superstar here in Chicago. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. the reason I'm bringing her up, I thought maybe she was, she's from Park Ridge. She grew up there. So that's why I was wondering yes. if she, anyway, great grace for everyone listening. I did an episode with grace years and years ago. She's awesome. Her partner, Julia Brenner is great as well. So, so anyway, um, the reason I'm bringing her up is she did something very cool a few years ago that I thought I just share with the audience and, and you as well. Um, and I got invited to it because Grace Grace asked me uh, was nice enough to ask me to, to come because um, it was right down the street from where I lived. So what she did, if some of you are thinking, well, I'm not part of a um, you know a, a charity or an organization, well. Most people like animals. So what Grace did, which I thought was really cool, is anti-cruelty was just down the street for me. That's a, a, a cat and dog rescue um, uh, you know, uh, society. And, and anyway, anti-cruelty, um, she rented out, well, I don't even know how it worked, but she said, hey, I'm doing this volunteer thing. We're going to make toys for dogs um, out of old t-shirts. And it's just a couple of hours and we get to play with the dogs too. Um, and so I, she said, would you like to come? And I was like, well, yeah, I'm a cat and a dog person. So I came over and and just by myself and everyone else in there were probably clients or sphere of influence people and and I looked around and I and and afterwards um, I was walking home and I was thinking oh that was really really um, awesome because number one uh, every most people I think in life want to volunteer more and maybe they just haven't found the right organization or they just haven't found the time to do it. And so she structured this event and said, Hey, come help us build, make toys for dogs. And you get to play with dogs. And, you know, she served some pizza and that was really all it was. Um, and we got to tour the facility, but when I was walking home and I thought, wow, I just did something that I wanted to do, which is volunteer more. Um, and I feel good. So I feel good about that. And how cool is it that she got me to volunteer simply by asking me to an event? So I think for everyone listening, that is such a great suggestion um, for anyone. If you're like thinking, well, how can I do a client appreciation event? Well, why not make it a volunteer appreciation event? Those, those yeah. work really well. And you know, you're not going to break the bank doing that. And you're going to make people going to walk away feeling really good about themselves. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so tell, uh, so my other, my other question is about um, working with buyers right now. So those buyers right now um, who are, uh, you know, who rates are so low, so, so they're able to afford more than they could, they expect perfection. Do you have sort of the reverse conversation with the buyers saying, okay, we, we know you want everything perfect. Nothing is actually perfect. Um, but what are you, how are you counseling buyers to, to not be so dismissive if something maybe isn't yeah. perfect in a property? Um, yeah. So I talk to them, especially if they have like a budget, um, Sometimes they have like a very, you know, um, tough budget, but they want sure. everything. Yeah. So I just have to like guide them through that. And then I'm like, okay, well, my guy could do a new kitchen for you. This is how much it would cost. And I do flips myself. So I always know how much things cost um, and just try to guide them that way. And, you know, make them understand that it's not that bad to do work. It's, it's really sure. not, it's not a big no. deal. It, it seems scary. Like I know right now, mm -hmm. the part of the reason why I bought a new development was because I, I don't have the ability to look at, at a property and go, oh, I just look and I see that the counters are 15 years old. I'm like, oh my God, that's the weirdest granite pattern I've ever seen. I can't <laughs> handle that. Meanwhile, that's an easily swap swappable sort of thing. That is so not a big easy. deal. It's so, so easy. easy, but I am so re a representative of the buyers you're talking about because I just look at that. And I instantly go, no, 
And, and my girlfriend, you know, when we were looking, she's like, no, wait a minute. That is, you just ignore that because that is such an easy thing to change. But, um, so th this is important information. I think for listeners is that buyers do, they are going to anything that's 10 plus years old, people are going to walk in and go like, what were they thinking? Why did they choose that? But the reality of it is, um, you know, it's all easily changeable. And that's where, uh, like Lisa does, she goes in and says, don't worry about it. We can change this. I know contractors, I can get this fixed for you. Don't worry yeah. about it, whether it's a buyer or a seller. And it's important to look at the bones. I mean, it's important to know, you know, that the furnace is in good condition, the roof, you know, the major things, the electrical. I mean, if all of those are really solid, you know, you can take care of the cosmetic. It's, it's very, not that hard. Yeah, Not it's sort hard. of a shame that we've we've now been trained through social media to really appreciate almost exclusively the aesthetic, um, yes. when the reality of it is 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 there's there's a lot more to evaluate versus just what is the you know what do the baseboards look like or because um, all of those things can be fixable. But yes, I guess maybe we're now living in a culture where people are just expecting instant perfection. And I almost feel like it's a competition between like sellers. So like I'll have like several sellers who are in their thirties and they are, I mean, they are, their homes are perfection. Literally yeah. I'll walk in and maybe there might be toys or something, but, and then I love it when they put their homes on the market at the same time. And they're so competitive <laughs> that they want their house to sell first, but it, you know, it's, let's be honest, it benefits me. So, yeah. um, you know, the more they do and the more they make it great, the, you know, the more likely, um, they're going to sell right away. So I, I would love for you. I always, I, we always ask these questions. We do a pre-interview process before we have our show and I never get to the pre-interview questions ever. And so I absolutely want to, <laughs> I only want to get the, I, the one I want you to tell the story. I want you to My tell funny about, story. <laughs> about the stuff. Well, no, not that one uh, okay, because okay. no, that one's a good one too. That, that's, that's uh, which walked in uh, sort of a walk in on sex, uh, people having sex story. So I have, all, we have already had a story like that 25,000 okay. times on the show, but the one, the most unusual experience you had was about uh, was had to do with taxidermy. Do you mind sharing oh your gosh, taxidermy yes. story? This is, I don't even understand. Oh. I don't even totally understand the story. So oh I want to hear my God. it. This is going to my book. Literally it's going to my book. <laughs> So I had this really difficult seller and the whole neighborhood was fighting with him. And I literally had like offer after offer after offer on his home and he would not sell it. And it was really his girlfriend's home. So he really wasn't in charge. He really didn't have to say to say no, right. you know? So I got this really um, awesome buyer and he is um, CPD, good guy. And um, really, CPD is, to, is is um, is what is CPD for everyone listening? Chicago Police Department. Oh, I'm sorry, Chicago so Police Department. Like, sorry, it's okay. So, um, him and his wife both were, but anyway, um, the house was in um, Old Norwood, and um, that's where I live. And anyway, he got mad because he didn't want to pay um, the admin fee. You know, the admin fee. Every company has an admin fee to hold sure. paperwork. Okay. Yeah, a couple hundred dollars, something so, like that. Yeah. So he orchestrated and like all the neighbors are like, Lisa, don't give up, please. We need you to sell this house. We need him out of the neighborhood because he would fight with everybody. So the and seller was, is saying, the seller is saying, I, I do not want to pay this $300 fee or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, he's now, he's now making, and this isn't even really his place to sign off yeah. on, but he's running the show. Okay. <laughs> yes. So, so 
during our initial like staging process, um, there was an old pheasant that had fallen from the wall and was just like full of dust and dirt. And my assistant had put it in the garbage because, you know, it was non-functional. This is a, this so, is a stuffed pheasant from like yes, somebody shot it and yes, had it. it was, okay. It was probably like 30 years old. Okay. Oh my gosh. So he, um, he's like, I need to meet with you. It's very important. And he's like, this pheasant is worth, you know, my admin fee at the time was $400. Yeah. This pheasant is worth $400. And I am, you're going to have to give me a credit for $400. I mean, <laughs> the man was so cheap. I mean, it was ridiculous. That's amazing. And I'm like, what? I'm like, this is crazy. So just because I didn't want him to, to win, um, <laughs> to win let's yeah. be honest. Yeah. I took it to a taxidermist and I had it evaluated and it was evaluated for $25. Okay. <laughs> so, so I came to the closing with the evaluation and the pheasant. It was you brought the pheasant with you. Oh sure. yeah. Oh yeah. I did. Yeah. And um, <laughs> so um, his attorney was like, he got away with not doing the $400 because their attorney kept uh, calling my managing broker and my managing broker was just super annoyed. And she's like, just give it to him. I'm done. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. yeah, it was like, go away, you know? And um, so his attorney was going to take back the pheasant and I'm like, Oh no, no, I paid the 400. You're not taking the pheasant. And I have a picture with the buyers who still, who have the pheasant as you come into the house the pheasant is in a plastic box, you know, at the house. So it's, I, it's so, super cute. So the, the buyers bought the pheasant. Well, sort of we're given no, the, the pheasant. You, pheasant as, you as bought as the a, pheasant really. Yeah, yeah. for them. Because it was for $375 worth. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Oh, that is an and, and I love that the buyers have it still. That's yeah, that's awesome. Oh my and, gosh. And I've all the neighbors were happy because it it closed and he moved he moved on. Is, and now he's someone else's problem. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, what, wow. That is an amazing. So I guess the point is don't blow up a deal over an admin fee and a stuffed pheasant. Um, but, uh, but, oh, wow. That is so funny. I love it. It is. It was so funny. Yeah. It's People a good one. Are, well, I guess maybe the same mentality that stuffs a pheasant might be a problematic person. <laughs> you know, I sort of feel like that personality might not always be the most. Uh, uh, now I'm picking yeah. on people who are in a taxidermist. No, I, I, I love that. the taxidermist. He was awesome. Yeah, he's yeah. like this thing isn't worth anything. <laughs> <laughs> Just a crappy old pheasant. Yeah, he was like, oh my gosh, he's like half the feathers are off of this thing. <laughs> I love it. Well, we should yeah. also mention too that, and 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 to wrap up, you know, the Lisa is an incredibly incredible realtor here in the Chicagoland area. She's one of literally there are forty four thousand realtors in the Chicagoland area. She's one of the very very highest producing agents and has tons and tons of accolades. So for anyone listening who is looking to work with a top producer um, and is maybe dissatisfied with, with brokers they've used in the past, um, or if there's anyone out there who's an agent who is listening in the Chicagoland area that would like to join a, a really successful team, um, so whether you're a buyer, a seller, a renter, or you're an agent, maybe looking to explore other options that other firms might offer, um, Lisa, what's the best way someone should reach out to you? Definitely my cell phone. So um, I'm best at text messaging. I return those probably the fastest. Um, but yeah, my cell phone, definitely 773-398-0378. 
And what's the best email to reach you at? Um, so it'd be lisasanders.sold at gmail.com. Awesome. And also remember to visit lisasandersold.com. Um, Lisa just made a, a shift to, to her, a new firm at Properties, or not a new firm, but new for her. Um, so this is a, a big shift for her. And she is, we are so excited uh, to continue to watch her her rise to superstardom, although I guess she's already there, um, but can, her continued rise. Yeah. <laughs> but Lisa, thank you. On behalf of the listeners, we want to thank you for, for being on our show. Really appreciate it. Uh, loved having you on and so many great suggestions to our listeners. I know they yeah. really appreciate it. So on behalf of the listeners, we say thanks. And on behalf of thanks Lisa for and myself, having me. yeah, on behalf of Lisa and myself, we say thank you to all the listeners and viewers. And we ask everybody before signing off just to do two quick things to help our show. Number one, tell a friend, think of one other agent that could benefit from hearing this great interview with Lisa and send them a link to the show. Easiest way to do that, send them to our, our website, keepingitrealpod.com, or just have them pull up a, a podcast app on their phone and look up Keeping It Real. It'll pop right up. And then the second thing is to please follow us on Facebook. You can find us at facebook.com forward slash Keeping It Real Pod. Every single day, we post an article that we find online that was written specifically designed to help real estate agents grow their business. And we post all of our episodes there too. So Facebook and tell a friend, and that will help keep our show going. Uh, Lisa, thank you so, so much. It was a pleasure. I, I hope Thanks to meet again. you in person. Uh, Me too. Yeah, we can <laughs> hang out. Um, we also found out that Lisa and I have been to the same bar in Ames, Iowa. Uh, I'm sure it, I, I was there before you were there, but uh, I we, we have been to the same exact bar called People's. Is it People's? Is that right? Yeah, it's People's. People's in Ames, Iowa, which nobody has ever been to Ames, Iowa, unless you went to school at Illinois or at Iowa State University, but I have been there and I did not go to school there. So um, I have been to that same bar. So anyway, uh, Lisa, I hope to see you in the future. Go and, Cyclones. Um, <laughs> go Cyclones. All right. I'm, uh, thank you so much. And we'll see everyone next time. Thanks, Lisa. Thank you. Bye. Uh -oh.